Well, good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Jen A. I'm from Colorado, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Friday, June 3rd, 2022. It's 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Today we're reading from the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We're in the chapter titled Bill's Story, Chapter 1. We're on page 8 on the first paragraph, and we're going to read one paragraph only. So it starts with, no words can tell, and ends with, alcohol was my master. Today's readers are Team Friday. We have the 12 steps, pens and P, 12 traditions, more in N. Reader of the text is going to be Darlene H. Our closing reader is Janice PM, and Vanita L. is uh, waiting back in the wings to back us up. Our newcomer reader is Jason K., and our second hour moderator is Matt J.F. The reference numbers for yesterday, June 2nd, 2022, which was Thursday, 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Big Book Study recording is 19,020. That's 19020. And the 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Big Book Study recording is 19,021. 19021. Here's the OA preamble Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states that each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence, and the practice of the 12 steps and traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Tenzin P. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, Tenzin. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Tenzin P. checking in from New York. Here are the steps we took, which are suggested as a program of recovery. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10, 
continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you very much. Thanks, Tenzin P. I will now ask Lauren N. to read the 12 traditions. Good morning to you, Lauren. Good morning. This is Lauren N. from New York, the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. Our common welfare should, one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for a group purpose, there is, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscious. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought, to, ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise letting lists Problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should maintain forever, remain forever unprofessional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, uh, but we make create service boards or communities or committees directly responsible for those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity on, at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communications. 12, anonymity is, a, is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much, Lauren N. This is how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We're gonna read a paragraph or two from the literature then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and the literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinent requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We're sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. So to share, you're going to press star one to unmute. And then once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. 
Today, we resume our study in the chapter, Bill's Story, Chapter 1. It's in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous on page 8. We're going to read that first paragraph and that one paragraph only, and I've asked Darlene H. to begin reading today. Good morning to you, Darlene. Good morning, Jen. Good morning, everybody. My name is Darlene H. I am a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater from Columbus, Georgia. No words can tell of the loneliness and despair I found in that bitter morass of self-pity. Quicksand stretched around me in all directions. I had met my match. I had been overwhelmed. Alcohol was my master. Oh, so this is quite the heavy paragraph, really. It's like, for me, the bottom. It's where I know that there is no way out for me. Um, Unfortunately, I've had the experience within the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous of having absence being recovered and then picking up the food again and being caught up in the middle of it uh, and knowing that there's only one door out and it's a spiritual door. It's not a Darlene door. It's not a sponsor door. It's not a food plan door. It's a spiritual door. And there's something inside of me that just um, wants to fight it tooth and nail. You know, I believe that I can handle it. But that quicksand, man, it's got me. I had to look up the word morass. uh, And it says, entangling or troublesome situation. And I was entangled in a way that I, I had no answers to. And I needed that spiritual door. I needed that spiritual answer in order to get out because I truly just don't have the answers. I don't have the willpower. I don't have the way. This past week, I I was in the ocean with some friends and we got caught up in a very strong current. Um, And today I know that my answer is prayer. Today I know that my answer is my higher power. And so while I attempted to swim my way out of it, and it wasn't working, I no longer need to waste my energy or my efforts, and all I have to do is pray and do the next right thing, and I'm taken care of. And what a beautiful gift of this program, and obviously I got out of that strong current. I, I'm happy, uh, happily on strong ground today, and I'm on strong ground in my program, and for that I'm entirely grateful, and I pass. Thanks, Darlene H. from Columbus, Georgia, for kicking us off this morning. So we do value everyone's experience on the line with us today. We ask that you limit your share to every third day. That way, others might share their experience, strength, and hope, too, on the paragraph that we just read. So who would like to share on what was read today, please? Janice P.M. Steve P. Linda D. Roger B. Roger Okay, hold on just one second. I have Janice, Roger, and Linda. Who else did I miss in there? Rivka, I was Baltimore. Debbie H., Kentucky. Rivka, Debbie. Okay, there was a lot of you. So thanks for your patience. I did miss quite a few of you. 
Um, so I do apologize, but we'll get you on the second round. This is who I heard and wrote down. I have Janice PM, Roger, Linda, Rivka, Debbie, Joanne, and Rick. Um, and just uh, if you'll give me the first initial of your last name and state that you're calling from uh, when you uh, give your pitch, I would greatly appreciate it. All right, Miss Janice PM, go right ahead. And thank you so much. Good morning to you, Miss Jen. Um, this is Janice PM, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Massachusetts. Oh boy, what a what a paragraph, huh? Um, I think that when we read it, or at least when I read it, it's like, do I identify with this? Do I identify the way that Bill felt at this time? Well, I can say I honestly did. And unfortunately, it wasn't just one time. Many times I felt like this, but I still relied and on myself, and I really didn't get the powerlessness of it. See, Bill didn't know, but it sounds like he definitely took step one here because he felt defeated. He felt like giving up. He surrendered. He was in a, in a mess, <laughs> a swamp, I mean, figuratively. What a picture, being in quicksand. I've never been in quicksand, but like the previous uh, uh, share, um, she was in, you know, a drowning situation. And boy, and I was a little girl when that happened, but yet I called out to a higher power. Isn't that something? And I didn't even know, and I got out of it. So... And there was no step one in that in 1934. Um, so, you know, but he felt defeated, didn't he? He felt lonely. He felt despair. Uh, he felt hopeless. Um, he lost all confidence. He felt defeated. How many times have I felt defeated and still, however, you know, when, you know, like I said, there was no AA, no place for him to go in 1934. But he hit a bottom. He had pain. He had fear. He felt like he was dying. You know, you're in quicksand, and no matter which way you turn, you go down, 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 unless you get a hand. You know, he saw it again, no way out. Um, and, of course, he, you know, was dwelling over and over on his sorrows, his self-pity, morasses like a swamp. And uh, it really became a turning point for him. And it did for me, too. I was so desperate. That was despair. I was desperate, and I knew I, I, I was a failure. I felt like a failure, you know. I was overwhelmed. I was beaten. I was beaten and eaten up by this disease. Yes, physically and emotionally. Um, boy, I met my match, and that was compulsive overeating certain foods. I met my master. A master is a ruler, and that's what the food did to me. Every single movement, I was ruled by the food. Was that my time, Jen? Yes, ma'am. Okay, then that's what I'm going to um, pass with the control of the food over me. And with that, I'm going to pass. Thanks. Appreciate you. Thanks, Janice PM. Up next, we have Roger. Good morning to you, Roger. Roger, compulsive overeater, drug addict, alcoholic from the Sunshine State, California. 
Good morning, OA family. Oh my gosh, when when we read that, I I I had to get my hand up because I'm getting very I'm going to get very emotional, and that's okay. On September 20th, 1984, I know some of you weren't even born yet. Um, I um, probably had dinner, and I was uh, going to drink a little bit, and I was going to do a little cocaine and a little bit of cheesecake just to take the rough edges of life off. And at 7 o'clock in the morning, after consuming two or three grams of cocaine, a whole bottle of vodka, and a cheesecake, uh, there was no caller ID. There were no cell phones. My boss called from Germany. And as I, I, when he called, I knew it was him who's going to call at 7 o'clock in the morning. And I was talking like this because I was so screwed up from all the drugs and from all the sugar. And in that conversation, he fired me. And when the phone rang, I took the vial of cocaine. I threw it on the ground. I had a plastic chair runner so that the chair could roll under my desk, and I started crying. And he fired me, and I will never forget that day as long as I live. Um, alcohol was my master. Food was my master. You know, pitiful and incomprehensible de- demoralization. You know, I didn't know who God was. I bargained with God. If God, if you'll get me through this, I promise I'll do X, Y, and Z. And every time God would get me through it, and then I'd go back to my drinking, drugging, and compulsive overeating. And I remember going to my parents that night and saying, how the F could they do this to me? And my dad said later, he said, I knew there was something wrong with you. I just didn't know what, and I didn't know how to help you. And that was, I thought that was the last day of my life. It turned out that was the first day of any kind of life, because I realized later Normal people don't stay up all night drinking a whole bottle of vodka, eating a whole cheesecake, and doing four grams, two to four grams of cocaine. So um, bitter morass, you know, I didn't know who God was. And out of adversity, God makes opportunity. If I hadn't had that experience, and they, they did for me what I couldn't do for myself, they were right to fire me. I became unemployable. If they hadn't done that, I wouldn't be on this call today. I would be dead. I would have been in a body bag because I drank and drugged and ate like Bill did, and I shouldn't be here today. God gave me a second chance. And as I've heard it said in the rooms, if I hadn't found OA and I hadn't found AA, I wouldn't have needed God because I learned in program Back in the day, I thought I was a big shot, and I learned in program I was a big shit. And, you know, I've been given a life beyond my wildest dream and been rocketed into the fourth dimension. I am so grateful to be on this call today and to hear all of you about this very powerful paragraph that takes me back to what it was like, what happened. And today I get to know what it's like, what it's like now. Thank you guys for paying a 12-step call on me. I'm Roger, and with that, I'm out. Hey, Roger, thanks so much. And I think, is it Roger V? Can you tell me the first initial of your last name out there in California? I think you're already muted. Roger V. V, that's what I thought. Okay, Roger V in California. Thanks so much. And then up next we have um, Linda followed by Rivka. If you guys will give me the first initial of your last name and the state that you're calling from, greatly appreciated. Here we go. Good morning, Jen. Yes, 
Uh, good morning, Jen. Uh, I'm Linda D from Connecticut. D as in David. Um, what I what I feel about what I'm reading is that is me. That is who I was. That's who I can be again. I've seen that happen recently to a friend. And what it takes is what I've been given by doing these steps over and over and over and practicing the presence of God that I didn't even know existed. And I've been given a life I could have never imagined, second to none, just as was said. And I had to work like a dog for it because I just didn't catch on. It's one thing to know I'm overwhelmed. It's another thing to really feel it. And every inch of my body and soul and spirit that I'm drowning and there's no way out and that's the way in, jump in and do it. I made every mistake in the book. I don't have to make those mistakes now if I'm very careful and if I listen and learn each day something new about turning things over to an infinite love that has always wished me well, that loves me, to whom I'm precious, and that would be true for everybody, no matter what. But I have to learn how to apply that. And so I come here every day to learn something new so that I can be the person God wants me to be, a very healthy, happy example of God's power. Not mine, but also a very healthy example to other human beings that this works. This really, truly works. But I've got to work it. And it's hard work, but boy, it's worth it. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much, Linda D. from Connecticut. Up next, we have Rifka, followed by Debbie. Hello, Rifka. Hi. Hi. Good morning. It's Rifka R. from Baltimore. Uh, gratefully recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you so much. Um, this is the most powerful, uh, one of the most powerful um, paragraphs for me. Um, if I ever have a food, food thought, I just think about that quicksand because that's where I was after my last relapse, um, thank God, a year, over a year and a half ago. Uh, that's how it felt. Felt like I was in quicksand, and I looked up quicksand, and it says something treacherously shifting and mobile that tends to entrap and destroy human existence. Well, that's how I felt. I felt like I had been um, in, entrapped and um, and destroyed by this disease because all I could think of was was food. Um, if I thought about and food was literally my, my master. If I thought about God the way I thought, I thought about chocolate, I, w- I would be a saint. <laughs> um, and that, the, the shares today, each one, as just it was like bing to my heart. Even the one about being caught in the current. There was a you know a, um, a time I was in the food, and I was actually um, had a um, was out 
were jet skiing, and there was a whole situation that happened. We, we got off the jet ski. The jet ski floated away. It ends up being three miles out in the ocean, hanging on to this shipping buoy for my life. And some little thing in my head, which is it, it's crazy, right, to think about food at that moment, but I thought at that moment I thought, um, Riska, this is happening to you because of what you are with the food, your relationship with food. You're drowning in the food. And now you're literally about to, you know, could be could drown and lose your life. And um, what I was doing at that moment when I when I was hanging onto that buoy three miles out, not knowing <clears throat> if I was going to die, as I was, I was I was crying out to God. I was just save me, save me, please save me. And I just made a plan for myself. I said, okay, I'm not going to panic until until nightfall because. Um, you know, the, the panic's going to kill me. I just have to think of God, think of God, think of God. And thank God, after about an hour, I was rescued. Um, and I just, when I saw that, you know, that the Coast Guard boat coming toward me, and, and I knew I was going to live, I just thought, oh my, I, I, you know, I, it was an amazing feeling that I was going to live. But, you know, I went back, you know, to the hotel where we were staying, and um, I, I popped a cookie in my mouth. And that was the end of my, this whole incredible, you know, I was just saved. I had just been calling out to God. I just had had that thought that, you know, I'm going to die out here. I better think about God all the time. And this had to do with me and food, and yet I still wasn't able to step across to, 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 to real land. I was still in the quicksand. So, um, and we're, we're about to come out to a, a holiday now uh, where, where cheesecake, somebody mentioned cheesecake. I'll just finish up with this. I ended up one in a one year pregnant and binging on cheesecake and going into preterm labor, and ending up in the hospital on the eve of the holiday because I was in preterm labor because I'd binged on cheesecake. Of course, I couldn't tell the doctor that. Um, anyway, it's just uh, thank God for sanity. Thank God for being on firm ground today. Thank God for this program. Thank God for all of you. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Bye bye. Thank you, Rifka R. from Baltimore. Up next is Debbie, followed by Joanne. Good morning to you, Debbie. Debbie, are you there? Press star one, please. This is Debbie H. from Kentucky. Can you hear me? Yes, go right ahead. Thank you. Okay. Hi, what a powerful paragraph. Um, you know, the bitter morass of self-pity. Uh, and food being my master, that certainly describes what I'm like when I am in the food. And, um, you know, it, it makes me recall the last time that happened, which now gratefully was a couple years ago. And, um, you know, I was at the place I am now, which is at Red River Gorge in this cabin we have that's by the lake. And, um, I got into the food, and that became my total focus. It didn't matter that there were friends there that I loved. It didn't matter that I was family there that I loved. And, um, you know, I remember when we went to leave, my husband and I drove separate, and, like, I had to, like, grab some food and put it in my car so I could eat it on the way home. And then on the way home, I'm thinking about, you know, because I have to be alone so I can eat and getting food and a book, and then getting home and laying in my bed and reading and eating and being miserable, but, like, that's all I could do. And, um, 
you know, I had to work the next day, and that night I couldn't sleep because of the indigestion. Um, I got up in the middle of the night, went downstairs. I was listening for <laughs> listening to Vision for You podcast. I mean, I'd been in OA for many years, and Vision had abstinence before, and just crying and felt so totally hopeless. And, um, you know, I don't know what made it different this time, but uh, food is my master when I'm eating substances like that. And um, when I'm in that quicksand, I can't control it. No matter what I do, I keep thinking. I have to surrender. I have to surrender to a power greater than myself. And, um, you know, I know one time when I was in relapse, I had a recovered person tell me, as I called them, crying uncontrollably, like, Debbie, I'm sorry, but you have to put the food down. Like, it doesn't matter what else. Like, you have to put the food down. And, um, oh, food was my master. So, anyhow, gratefully recovered today. Thanks so much. I'll pass. Awesome. Thank you so much, Debbie H. from Kentucky. Up next, we have Joanne, followed by Rick. Good morning, Joanne. Good morning. This is Joanne P. from Pennsylvania. Um, I am a grateful, compulsive overeater, working the steps and um, trying to recover. And this paragraph really just reminds me so much of when I first came into the program less than two years ago. Oh, my goodness. I was so desperate, so hopeless, um, full of self-pity. Now that I'm, you know, looking at step seven and um, my character, GSAC, self-pity, wow. I blamed everything on self-pity. I had no idea that I was an addict until I read the doctor's opinion and um, realized that I had an obsession of the mind and food was my master. I blamed food for everything. Any circumstance in life um, caused me to gain weight because, you know, it was the circumstance. It was me feeling sorry for myself. It wasn't me being an addict. I realize now that, that I am an addict and only God can do for me what I can't do for myself. And I'm so thankful for this program and our 12 steps and, and for my willingness um, to work the program and the 12 steps. But most of all, I'm so thankful for God and his love and um, my awareness of his presence in my life. I, um, yeah, that's that's the answer to me. That's the only way out of the quicksand is to just grab his hand and hang hang on and do the work. And um, every day, because every day we wake up an addict and food is our master, and only God can take that away from us. So, so thankful to Visions and all of you. So thankful to my sponsor and our program. So with that, I pass. Thank you. Thanks, Joanne P. from Pennsylvania. Glad you're here, too. Up next, we have Rick. And before you speak, Rick, if you'll just let me know, if you folks just got on the line with us this morning, we're in Bill's story. It's chapter one of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We're on page number eight. We're that first paragraph that starts off with no words ending in alcohol was my master. Go ahead, Rick. 
Good morning, Jen. Good morning, everybody. Uh, my name is Rick Jay. I am a compulsive overeater in Cary, North Carolina, and uh, so grateful to be recovered, but uh, understand that I am not cured. Um, no words can tell, but you know, the words Bill actually writes does a beautiful job of describing what it feels like to be broken and alone with no hope of rescue. And that was what was going on with me um, two and a half years ago. And, you know, that loneliness, that despair, trapped, you know, being alone in the dark is something that speaks to me, you know, that feeling of being alone and in the dark. You know, I've got some, uh, you know, some terrifying memories of childhood um, of being alone and in the dark and not being able to find my way out. You know, there's no safety. There's nowhere to go. There's something in there that's trying to kill me. And that's what this disease is for me. I have a disease that's trying to kill me. Didn't ask for it, but there it is, you know. And that bitter morass of self-pity, you know, one thing I, I am very aware of you know, the more I learn about Bill's story is, you know, he suffered from depression and he suffered uh, a lot of grief, too. And and I'm just thinking about this man who, you know, was in the throes of alcoholism, nowhere to go in his addiction, what was going on inside of him internally, what was going on outside of him, the way his drinking had affected Lois and you know, and everybody around him, you know, and it was just, everything was broken. And when he was young, he had a broken heart from the love of his life dying. And I'm sure that would come back with no way to really process that and all this stuff going on inside of him. And I can so relate to Bill. And that's where I ended up on a beach in the Outer Banks two and a half years ago. And I could not go on like this. I, I didn't want to live like this anymore. You know, and I, I picked up the phone and made a call. But what, a, like somebody said, this is a, like a beautiful place to be because when I'm here, then there's only one way from here. <laughs> you, can't, you can't go any further down in that moment. We do know there's a bottom below the bottom you know. But when I'm in the bottom... Right there, my hand's coming out and grabbing at anybody that can pull me out of there. And, and when uh, my Ebby shone a light for me, and I saw that light, and I came out, and I decided I wanted to stay out in the light with everybody. I didn't want to go back into the darkness alone. And I just do this one day at a time. That's all I can do. And thank you, everyone, for being here with that. I pass. Thanks so much, Rick J. from North Carolina. All right, folks, we're going to take another list of names. We do value everyone's experience here on the line with us this morning. We do ask that you limit your share to every third day in order that others might share their experience too. And who did I miss Jay. the first round who'd like to share? Sorry, who Nancy was that? P. Christina J. Who's the first person? Nancy Thank P. You, Christina. Christina. Phil M. Nancy. Luby. Phil. Probably. Rowena, Matt, JF. Rowena, Christina, Jay, Matt, 
Okay, let me tell you who I got. Okay, Woo, I had to write fast. Okay, I heard Christina, you guys are good. Christina, Jay, Nancy, Phil, Lou, Rowena, and Matt. Let's start there, all right? So Christina, Jay, go right ahead. Morning, Jen. Morning, everyone. Christina J. from the state of Washington. Boy, Rick just nailed it for me. Oh, I feel like this story was my story in a certain way. Um, but, you know, living in that bitter morass, the disappointment, the disgust, the anger, the fear, I had jealousy, buried anger, isolation, self-justification of immoral activities like cheating and stealing and lying to cover my sins. Blaming others. Oopsies. Hold on, Christina J. Come back. You got muted, so press star one for me. Okay, where was I here? Anyway. <laughs> going back. Living going in back. all that crap, you know, uh, completely, like, uncomfortable for most of my life, starting from childhood forward, trying to find the answer. And... um Food was the answer, <laughs> but food took me down, like everybody knows. It caused me more bitterness, that self-pity of not knowing what to do, trying to diet and trying to do this program, not getting step one and thinking I had step one, and then the insane gyrations of relapsing and crawling back. Oh, it just went over and over and over. How can a person live like that, you know, um, and then I had that one moment in time, like Rick talked about, that one simple moment in time where I just, I can't do this anymore. That was, for me, that was God's grace. And I turned away from that master. My sister turned away from the drug dealer years ago. She shut the door in his face, but I had many years to go before I was ready to do that. And I was ashamed that I couldn't do it. She could. But I turned away from that master with all the tentacles reaching towards me, ready to pull me down again, and I walked away. And then I fell into the self-pity of, I'm so lonely, I can't, I can't use food, what can I do, what can I do? And a voice said, you know, make a call. And that was my first act. Well, that was the second action. Walking away was the first action. You know, we can't use the food anymore. And there's that period of grief and loneliness in that, because what are we going to use? You know, we think, okay, God's the answer, God's the answer. But that relationship with higher power has to be cultivated. Otherwise, we can't, it won't work. We have to cultivate it, go to it daily, make a friend with it. Um, I went through door, I, I like to call it door G, door God, and I don't want to walk back out of that door because there's nothing outside of that wide open space of freedom. It's like walking from a tight, closed room of loneliness and darkness into the big open sky, fields of green and flowers. And it's not always like that, don't get me wrong. Um, but I can't afford self-pity or jealousy, jealousy anymore. And the minute that I start to slip back into those things, I'm going backwards, back into that dark hole. How do I stay out of that? Of course, we all know, or many of us know, we, we keep doing the actions. We keep doing the actions day by day. We keep cultivating. And your, your relationship with God might not be strong or higher power or whatever you want to call it, uh, but you have to keep working it go into it, and then 11 step, 10 steps, working with others, 12, that's service. Service is the greatest gift and the greatest connection to God. Greatest connection to God is being of service to others. 
And when your heart opens to that, you're getting somewhere. Anyway, <laughs> thank you, guys. I pass. Thanks, Christina J. from Washington. Up, up next, we have Nancy P. followed by Phil. Go ahead, Nancy. Hi, good morning. <clears throat> good morning, Jen. Good morning, everybody. Um, Nancy P. recovered in West Newton, Massachusetts. You know, this is one of my favorite paragraphs in Bill's story because it really, you know, Bill's going down, 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 then he bounces and he starts his journey up. And, um, you know, as the lead said, I she was um, in the ocean and got caught up in a current. And I almost drowned also when I was a kid. I was at a beach, Horseneck Beach in southeastern Massachusetts with my family, and there were signs in, in the beach and in the parking lot to beware of the undertow. And somehow I got caught up in it. And my friend who was on the shore told the lifeguards that I was out there struggling. And three lifeguards had to tether themselves to a post that was sunk deep into the sand with cement. And they had to drag me out of the current. And I didn't realize I was drowning. I, only that I couldn't seem to catch more than a breath every time the waves tossed me to the surface. I thought I was in control and that I'd get on my feet and walk out of the water. And, you know, the metaphor is perfectly suited to my life with food. I didn't realize that, that the same thing was happening with the food. My my life was a disaster. My poor daughter was, you know, hacking herself up with a razor blade and, and burning herself to a crisp. And, um, and I thought I was, I could control that. And, um, you know, and in order to, to maintain my, you know, my, the breath that I take for life every day, I drive up my hill and across down the other side to avoid the traffic lights and stop every day. There's a Dunkin' Donuts on that corner and I'd say, I'm not going to stop. And my, my, my car would drive in of its own accord and I'd go in and get my morning dozen donuts. And then I had to stop another time on my way to work someplace else um, before I got to work and, and I would eat and I ate all day at work. And, and in the afternoon I did the same thing. And, you know, to say what worked in the beginning, I'll go to a billion meetings. I'll make a billion phone calls. I'll pray all that, none of that worked at all. And, um, you know, finally, one day I was in my car sobbing because I had just finished my afternoon dozen donuts. And I was sobbing because I had done the same thing the day before and the day before and the day before. And I knew I was going to do the same thing the next day and the next day and the next day. And, um, you know, I don't know, I'm not really into God, but whatever it is that takes care of me was having coffee with the other ones and said, you know what, this one's had enough. I'm going to pluck her back from the gates of death and I'm going to set her on the right path. So I called a friend, my dear, dear, dear friend who I've known for over 40 years. And um, she said, Nancy, I haven't talked to you in so long. And, and um, you know, she told me about this meeting and it was a phone meeting. And all I said was phone meeting, but she spoke to my thinking, which was, I'm not calling any phone meeting. And trust me, my thinking wasn't that clean, but I wasn't going to do it. And she said, no, 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 this one's different. And I said, all right, give me the website. And she said, no, write it down. I'll wait. And I had to dig into my sticky donut purse and find a sticky donut pen and a sticky donut piece of paper. And I wrote it down as a number. And I called on December 1st of 2017. And I have not had to hurt myself with food since that day. I have been rocketed into the fourth dimension. And every day, unbelievably, is better than the day before. And um, I have no reason to believe that tomorrow won't be better than today, all because of one thing. Say it with me. I'll give you a million guesses. Okay, I'll tell you. I surrendered. I was so exhausted that all I could do was nothing, and that was the solution. With that, I'll pass. Thanks, Nancy P. from Massachusetts. And up next is Phil, followed by Lou. Good morning, Phil.
Did I hear a fill this morning? Maybe not. Hey! Yeah! All right. Let's try um, Lou B. Lou B from Texas. Are you there, my friend? Good morning, everybody. This is Hi. Lou. Um, thanks for hearing me this morning, Jen. So, yeah, I've, I've really, I really appreciate everybody's share about their about their quicksand moments, and I definitely have one in particular I remember, and some of some less less uh, dramatic ones. But uh, nevertheless, I I remember the remorse and the and the and the sadness and and the the despair and the darkness and loneliness, and um and I'm just so grateful. I'm I'm grateful that I'm not there today, but I'm also grateful that I had that that I had that experience, you know, I can say that today because, because, um, because I think that it's kind of like other people have shared, uh, it, it's brought me where I am today. And, and, you know, today my life is really good. It's hard, it's hard for me to, it's hard for me to, <laughs> it's hard for me to stay in the dark times, you know, and, and only talk about the dark times. And I'm grateful for this meeting because we don't do that. Right. We, we, we talk about the solution and, and what's different today. And, um, and my life is 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 black and white different today, um, and, uh, and and I, and I'm grateful for it. I really, really am. Um, you know, God God gives me so much today, and um, He gives me so much, and 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 my life is so full, and 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 every single morning. And you know, I mean, somebody who on this line who talks about that word surrender, you know, it, it really is the answer for me too. Actually, and my days are so wonderful when I just turn it all over to my higher power and just say, God, you know, I just give it all to you because I've made a mess of it, you know. And um, when I'm running on, when I'm running on Lou's agenda, it usually goes south pretty quick. And um, but when I'm running on God's agenda, and when I'm, you know, when I'm truly praying, God, you know, help me carry out Your plans for today, not my plans, but Your plans. It just seems to unfold, and things just. Uh, Things just seem to be good, you know, and I and I and for me that I think that yells loud and clear in my ear that that's God's will for me um, to be doing this. And you know, early on when I would come to meetings, I would feel so terrible walking into the meeting, and then walking out of the meeting, I would feel restored. And and so so that's how I knew that was God's will. So I kept going back to meetings, and um, and that's how it's gone for me. Just just. When I take an action and it, and it feels right, then then I, that's 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 how I know that's what God wants me to be doing. And when I keep doing those things day after day, my life unfolds in a beautiful way. And so I just I'm grateful for to be here with you guys. And I'm and I'm and I just encourage anybody, any newcomer, anybody who's struggling, to just you know keep taking the next step, keep doing the next thing. And and um, you know, every day is not perfect for me. I still have struggles. I still have anxiety and fear and all those things that I, you know, that I ate over. But, but today I have a, another set of tools and I made a really effective, oh, that was my time, wasn't it? Anyway, that's all. I, I'm just grateful to, to be here. I'm grateful to be heard and um, everybody have a great day. Bye. Thank you, Luby from Texas. Up next is Rowena followed by Matt. Good morning, Rowena. <laughs> Uh, good morning. Hi, I think maybe you met, or is it Rowena there? Yes. Yeah, Ro Rowena. Yeah. Okay. Excuse me. Go ahead. Um, hi.
finish, Rowena. Thank you. Rowena Kay from the United Kingdom. Um, thank you for um, calling on me to share. Um, yeah, so um, I guess the bitter morass of self, well, the bitter morass is actually in my mind um, when I'm not working this program because um, I've been absent for a few months and um, and I just got to a place where I don't really know what happened. I think sometimes the freedom from the food gives me you know, the freedom of working the steps gives me freedom in other parts of my life. And then those take over. And, um, you know, it's uh, talking about the gifts. Don't let the gifts take away the gift, um, I think I heard someone say. Um, but also, you know, when I don't work my program, I can get to that place of self-pity and, you know, just feeling like everything's out of control. Um, but, of course, he's talking about before he found, you know, um, the steps and before he started working and that's how he was feeling um but yeah so I'm, I'm feeling really grateful today because um i you know i rang my sponsor <laughs> and she wasn't in a good place either so we, we had a, a conversation about how how crappy both felt and then um decided to you know well i decided to start taking some action and i can't think myself into right action but i can act myself into it and um i just started doing my outreach calls again and um and and my prayers and yeah so um and and coming on to this meeting as well was another um action i thought i would take so thank you all for still being here and i will pass thanks rowena k from the uk and up next we have matt go right ahead matt good morning thank you jen good morning everyone this is matt js in louisville kentucky and um I used to say that I had a relatively high bottom, um, and, and I think that's probably true. Um, and and I, I want to, if you're new and you're wondering if you qualify, um, I would like, and you can, and you're hearing all these stories of of amazing like desperation, and you're wondering if you're desperate. All I can say is, uh, I don't care whether I had a high bottom or not. I think of my, like, for me, my my bottom didn't create my recovery. Re becoming recovered meant, like, that was my bottom. And it didn't matter how, you know, when I told my then-girlfriend who was in AA and recovered, and we had talked about OA before, and I had told her I thought it was BS because step one was we were powerless over food. Right? And I said out loud, go after yourself, because I didn't say F. Like I had utter disdain for this program. And that was like the year before I found my way in. When I told her that I had listened to a big book step study by someone who's done special editions on this line and realized that it was simply true for me that there are some foods that once I start, I can't stop and I can't stop from starting. And that means I'm a compulsive overeater. Her reaction was, I don't get it. I don't see desperation in you. But who cares, right? I mean, my recovery designates my bottom. My bottom didn't create my recovery. And what I can say about about desperation is like, how much was enough for me was how much was enough. And you know, it's funny, like, the, I, for me, the point of this part of Bill's story is not that if you're not as desperate as I was, you don't qualify. 
the point is actually sort of recounted in in step one of the AA 12 and 12, which is this book raises the bottom because it gives me a vision of what it would be like if I don't acknowledge that I am powerless over food and that my life is unmanageable and that there's no shame in it. I didn't choose it, not because of my choices. It's not because I have bad judgments, not because I'm lazy. It's just because, for me, I was just born this way. So there's no shame in, in taking step one for me because it was simply true that I had tried to quit Coca-Cola dozens of times over the years and the longest time was, you know, a few months. And the shortest time I stayed quit was about 20 seconds. And I haven't had Coca-Cola since February 24th, 2019. And if that's not evidence of the existence of a higher power, I don't know what is. So if you're new and you're wondering if you qualify, I don't know, it feels like, I feel like if, I, if the first time I showed up at a meeting, the odds are pretty good that I'm like a hundred times more likely to qualify than not. And uh, and what I can tell you about what it's like now is it used to suck. What it was like is it sucked. What happened was I acknowledged there were some foods that once I started, I couldn't stop and I couldn't stop from starting. And what it's like now is better, incredibly better. With that, I'll pass. Thanks so much, Matt JF. All right, from Kentucky. Anybody want to get in for the last two-minute pitch? Phil M. Reva P. Go ahead, Phil. Oh, there you are, Phil. Jim K. Go right ahead. <laughs> I'm going to give it to Phil because we missed her up at the top. Okay, go ahead, Phil. Two minutes. Go oh, for it. Thank you so much. I'm Phil. Uh, gratefully recovered compulsive overeater from Kike Fergus in Northern Ireland. Today is my belly button birthday. Um, I'm turning uh, I'm 63. On the third of the sixth, or the sixth three, as you put it in America, <laughs> um, and um, yeah, it was loneliness. It seems to me was a big part of my life, most of my life. Even though I was the fifth child of ten children, um, loneliness was still very much a feature. <clears throat> and the food was consolation, and it got pretty bleak. It was my friend until it stopped being my friend and became very much my enemy. Um, and I had five and a half years of relapsing in a way. And at my heaviest at 261, when I turned 63 years ago, um, I was doubly incontinent, at arthritis. I used a bath chair. Um, I kept my phone near me in case I couldn't get out of my bath. I had reflux. I was suicidal. My mobility was very poor. Uh, so very alone. Absolutely disgusted with myself. Couldn't bear anyone to look at me because I couldn't bear to look at myself. I wasn't present to anybody in my life, God love them. Um, and really it was a question of not is there life after death, but was there life before death? And it seemed to me it wasn't really a great life at all. I was depressed. And uh, when I was diagnosed with cancer and being treated with cancer, I had been told, you know, that sugar feeds it. And even though I desperately wanted to be rid of it, <clears throat> the cancer, I could not stop eating the sugar. Food was definitely my master. There was no question. I had every reason to get rid of uh, the sugar, but I could not do it. There was a lot of self-pity. Um, and then food was my master. And thanks be to God, that's not the case now. I do have a life that I find worth living. I have been on with the sponsee today and I've physically seen a change in her. She's doing her step six and seven. 
and and that is awesome. And her face is full smiles, and that's despite having difficulties, seriously, serious difficulties. You know, this program is miraculous. Um, I have connection. Loneliness is not a feature, and with that, I pass. Thank you so much for hearing me. Oh, thanks so much, Phil M, for speaking up at the end from Northern Ireland. We did it, people. Think or surrender. This is where we're at today, right? Okay, so what a great meeting. Um, thank you, everyone um, who shared. Thank you all for showing up and listening on the line. There is a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following this closing, so stick around. There'll be more shares, and um, we'd love to hear from you. The share ID for today, get your pen and pencil, here you go, or pen and paper. <laughs> Friday, June 3rd, 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time today is 19,028. That's 19028. We're now going to close with a reading from the big book on page 164, and it will be followed by the serenity prayer. Janice PM, could you please read a vision for you? I'd be glad to, Jen. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past and give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then, pass.